The Winnipeg Jets are now 1-3, and three, and after a promising start against the Vegas Golden Knights, where it looked like the Jets might actually come away with a win against one of their most hated rivals, the Jets again fell just short. Is this team good? Is this team bad? We'll dive into the answer on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, friends, and welcome to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about a big topic recently, right? Because aside from the attendance and everything, the Jets are kind of in a weird state. They're one in three, and I'm not sure if people see them as a bad team or a good team. Perhaps they even see them as an average team. I can tell you I'm leaning towards an answer, and it's probably not the one you think it is. We'll start off, though, with how the Jets performed against Vegas, because this is a game where, as you can tell, it you know you, you see on the side, it says it was a mixed performance, and it was in some ways. In other ways, I think the Jets can feel encouraged. Let's talk about the bad first, though, because the bad, I think, is is what people really want to get into. And it's becoming a problem over at least the, the past couple of games. One of those issues is, is something that I think is going to be a longer standing problem than the other. First bad thing right now is the goaltending. Hellebuck and Brassois, unfortunately, have not exactly made the final saves that you would expect them to. Hellebuck especially... Um, has been a little bit leakier than usual. I wouldn't say that the goals that have beat him are are really, really sloppy. It's not like the puck trickling through Markstrom's pads, right? Nothing of that nature, but certainly some shooting angles and stuff that Helly has traditionally covered and not really had an issue with. I think when we watch Hellebuck, the big thing with him is that we're so used to him making fabulous, you know, brain-melting, gravity-defying saves with this huge frame that when he doesn't, it's a lot more shocking. So, uh, he does usually start slow and, and starts to pick up over the next few weeks. I don't really have any concerns about him. Brassois, I think, will be relatively okay. So goaltending-wise, I think that will work itself out. The bigger problem that we've got to talk about is the penalty kill, because the penalty kill was dreadful. Uh, I, I know that it at times will actually kill off a penalty, but I think that's more from either the goaltending or uh, luck than anything, because it's so static and it looks a lot more like the Palmer Reese penalty kill than than what we're used to from last year. I don't know what Arneal changed this season, but it seems like there's no aggression. There's not a lot of pressure on puck carriers, and it feels like the opponents have way too much time and space to pass around the perimeter. Obviously, keeping the shots to the to the outside is always nice, but the problem is, is on a PK, obviously that changes a little bit when you have the odd man situation. So the Jets are really going to want to work on that, and we'll focus more on the PK in a little bit because um, this year's PK versus last year's PK, it's like to two totally different animals. So uh, I want to spend a little more time talking about that in detail, but that's the not-so-fun stuff out of the way. The good. The Jets, generally speaking, were the much better team, especially in the second half of the game. 
Winnipeg, you know, scored first. And of course, they did concede a number of goals trailing at one point by like three to one. But let me tell you, when the Jets were applying pressure and creating tons of opportunities, they were consistently dominating Vegas in the offensive zone. Waves of pressure, and then defensively, zone den- uh, zone entry denials at the other end, and then all of those turned into counters to seal the the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights into their own zone. And that wave of pressure, you know, just kept building and building to the point where uh, it really felt like the Jets were going to score several goals. It could have been like 5-3 to three Winnipeg, and I felt like that would have been a pretty fair scoreline because the Jets were absolutely buzzing. There were moments where it was just sheer luck, a random block shot, or a jaw-dropping save that kept the Jets off the board. Winnipeg was like so close on so many occasions, but just could not find Pater. You know who did, though? Alex Iafalo, he had himself a brace, two goals on the evening, and almost had himself a hat trick on at least one or two occasions. He has been really good, and I think the way that he scored his power play goal where he slid into the slot where Shifley does, you know, usually hovers and, and just sort of uh, almost one-timed it, but not quite, you know, a really fast wrister right home, beautiful shot, uh, perfect placement, and that's the sort of stuff that I think I was kind of hoping for, but maybe not as consistently as he's done it so far. He's already had like three goals for the Jets, which is really impressive considering when he was brought on. I think a lot of people saw him as more of a cap dump, right? Maybe not a player who was going to get regular minutes um, at the level of like a top six player, but I'm telling you, I think he legitimately has some pop. I was excited about him when the Jets acquired him because having watched him a number of times in LA, what I always thought of him was was sort of a player who could be sort of like a, a Matthew Perot-esque presence, right? A very smart player who's crafty down low, who understands space really well and can exploit it to score great goals. He may not have like a hundred point seasons, but I'll tell you what, you could see him hit 40 to 50 points this year. And I think it really wouldn't be that hard for him to do so. He's really crafty. He's really smart. And honestly, given some of the injury stuff that's been going on with Velarde out four to six weeks, I would prefer to see him slide up to the top six. I think that's where he would be better served. I think he can really elevate uh, the guys around him. He's a really good complimentary player. And in terms of like scoring output and ability, he's great. Unfortunately, I think the Mason Appleton thing on the first line, that that experiment really does need to end. He was not good enough, unfortunately. But I think Ayafalo or Niederreiter, somebody of that caliber, could actually do that job pretty well. So yeah, you know, I, I look at this and I see a team um, that should be encouraged, right? I think that there's a lot of scoring ability on this team. Uh, Kupari has been really good in a bottom six role. Baron's been really good. Um, Nemesnikov at times has been decent, although a couple of moments in this past game where I wasn't thrilled with him. Uh, Ehlers also looking a little rusty. I don't know if he's still injured or whatever, but he's definitely lacking a bit of a quickness to his step. And uh, some of the dump and chase stuff that he does is very uncharacteristic of what we usually see with him. The top line. um, Yeah, not so great with Appleton. That I think should change. But uh, Sandberg had himself a really, really strong game. I thought he did well. Uh, You know, you paired him with Pionk and that was a pairing that relatively did okay. Um, they, they, you know, as long as Sandberg can kind of keep doing the details and defensive work, you can kind of get away with it. But, uh, yeah, Stanley came in and that didn't quite go according to plan. I really feel like Chisholm deserves a chance to, to get a spot here. I feel like of the guys that you could bring in for puck moving ability, Chisholm would actually do a lot to help. 
But as it was, the Jets, with their weird lineup of uh, Perfetti now not playing at center and being used as a wing with Nemesnikov down the middle, the Jets without Velarde, it it still was a strong performance from this team, even with Bones' weird deployments and stuff. So, um, yeah, tough, right? Because you look at this team and you ask yourself, well, after four games, do we even know if they're good or bad? And I think we have an interesting answer, which I'll talk about in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I did want to shout out our friends and partners at Jace Medical. When it comes to being prepared, you can never be too cautious. Uh, a lot of you might go hiking. Maybe you enjoy the great outdoors in other ways, whether you're camping or doing something else. But you never really can tell when disaster is going to strike. And Jace Medical wants to offer you a customizable Jace case with five of the most common uh, antibiotics to help you be prepared for the field when the worst strikes. They also offer add-on medications, and they want to help you choose the Jace case that fits you and your family's unique needs. And of course, if you want to buy a gift card, you can also do that. If you want to help your family and friends get a Jace case, this is a great option. Obviously, you know, having a suite of five of the most commonly used antibiotics means you can treat dozens of different ailments and infections, which is great for when the unprepared happens. And if you want to empower yourself and have the best chance at handling a crisis. Jace Medical is offering you a great discount just for listening. All you have to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter promo code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at jasemedical.com. While we're at it, I also do want to shout out our friends and partners at Bird Dogs. Those of you who have ever heard of Bird Dogs, you might know them for being a bit of a pants company, right? They've got some funky named pants, uh, some of which I can't repeat on this podcast. But you might be saying to yourself, okay, well, aside from quirky names and uh, an oddball sense of humor, what makes Bird Dogs special? Well, Bird Dogs are the khaki shorts that not only make you feel good, they also help give you a sculpted look that accentuates the good parts you like, right? And most importantly, they're super comfortable, right? A lot of shorts are made of really stiff fabric that doesn't really stretch all that much. So if you're going out golfing or having a night out on the friends, not only is it feeling kind of tight and rigid down there, it starts sweating a little bit. That's why Bird Dogs is great because they use an anti-sweat, uh, anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that's made with like a cloud knit fabric to give you a cool, stretchable, breezy feeling without sacrificing the look and style you want. Bird Dogs, again, are super comfortable. They look great and they have plenty of styles for all occasions. So if you're ready to get started, go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL right now or enter promo code locked on NHL at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everydayers, thank you so much for rejoining us on tonight's episode as we tackle a big question with the Jets, right? Are they a good team or are they a bad team? And looking at a 1-3 and three record, you'd say, well, it looks like they're kind of a bad team. But that's not really true. Uh, I'd actually say that this is a good team with a couple of critical errors right now that are currently haunting them just a bit, enough to sort of upset the apple cart, right? Here's the thing, right? The the issues that this team has are relatively fixable. The goaltending is something that I think will correct itself over time, so I'm not that worried about that. I do think, though, that the special teams is a, a point of concern. And as you can see at the end, we're, we're going to spend some time talking about the PK um, because there were some adjustments that were made this year that 
kind of harken back to previous years where the PK was among the league's worst. And so far, based on the fact that the Jets are killing around, like, I don't know, I thought it was like around 75% of the opportunities. That is that is pretty dog water, for being honest. Um, and, uh, you know, having seen what this PK was last year, I know it's not the players. It's definitely a coaching and systems change that is causing all of this. So I want to talk about that. But otherwise, right, you look at the rest of the team and what weaknesses would you say uh, stand out? Injury depth could be one answer, and I think we're going to see that tested over the next few weeks. I, I will say Velarde only having a sprained MCL is super good news. It could have been a lot worse. We could have been seeing him done for months or even at worst the season. Just look at Kirby Doc, who has a torn ACL and MCL. Really awful for him. Whole season's over after such a promising start. Yeah, it's tough. So Velarde really dodged a bullet, and so did we. But for the next four to six weeks, the Jets are going to have to improvise. And obviously, the injury depth is not great. But I'll say this. I think the Jets are reasonably well-equipped to handle it because they have so many quality players up and down the lineup. Now, whether Bones elevates the right ones, I, I think, is another question. That I, I do have some concerns about. But in the meantime, roster-wise, at least this team should be able to get through uh, the worst of the crisis, barring any more injuries. Where I think the Jets have a, a particular roster problem, though, is less so injury-related and more just with the defense. That blue line unit really needs uh, some work, and we've talked about it ad nauseum before, but I gotta say, I think it's really shown itself when Dylan and Schmidt are struggling. We've seen them had to be split uh, at times. You, you know, it's just... Uh, yeah, I don't know what to do with this pairing, right? And And both guys are struggling in their own ways. Schmidt just seems slow and his decision-making isn't really where it needs to be. Dylan is struggling to make passes and, and do some of the stuff that we're used to, used to seeing with him. He's sluggish. You know, he gets turned inside out easily. It's rough because both guys, I actually thought were, were pretty strong defensively in previous years this season though, not so much. So something to keep an eye on Schmidt got benched in favor of Stanley and Stanley promptly didn't have that good of a game. Uh, they asked Bones about it, and the most he said was he did. He had a decent game, um, did what he was asked to do, what we needed him to do. And when that's the kind of praise that you're getting, I think it says a lot from the coaching staff's perspective that they're not overly impressed. There was no effusive praise. There was no over, overwhelmingly glowing reviews. Just a, yeah, he came in, did his job, and that was it. So, Yikes. Uh, probably not a confidence booster if you are Stanley fighting for a roster spot. Now, I've spent a lot of time do saying stuff that sounds negative. And, and look, these are big problems. But I'll tell you this. The Jets are so good in creating offensive opportunities at, at controlling play at 5v5. They've done it for three out of the last four games. And I'm telling you, I think this team is really close. I think with a few, like a few key changes, this team could be a, a real pain in the butt. As it is, it's already a pain in the butt enough. Look how hard Vegas had to win to come out with the, or how hard uh, Vegas had to work to come out with the win the other night. The Jets made their lives heck, and it was clear from waves of pressure, tons of forechecking that was actually good and fruitful, forced turnovers, intercepted passes, rapid counters. The Jets genuinely put Vegas under more stress than I think they've had in a lot of the games thus far. So Winnipeg, I'm telling you, I think this team is, is really close to being really good, but they do need to make some adjustments, and the coaching staff is going to have to get uh, their head straight on a few things that they're kind of making some puzzling choices with. 
the deployments bother me. Some of the line combos don't really make sense. And the way that they've deployed the defense. Yeah, I think they've already figured that out, that that wasn't working. So they're just going to go back to sheltering Schmidt and Dylan together. But the front office is going to have to make some changes. I think that much is clear because this team's roster as it is, is inefficient in some very inconvenient places, but it's fixable. It's workable, but it, it, it you do want to take some time to address it before things go on for too long and you find yourself stuck with a bit of an anchor. So yeah, the question of whether or not the Jets are good or bad, I think for me, I'm going to lean towards the Jets being pretty good. I think things will turn if you keep playing at this way, you know, at this level and sustaining this way of, of attacking. I think good things will come. The Jets just need to be patient and they need to make the right changes at the right time. So keep an eye out for that. We'll keep you know track on how the Jets are doing with that. But one thing I did want to spend a little bit more time talking about is the PK and what I've noticed with it compared to last year. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Sleeper. Mark Shifley scores a hat trick, the Winnipeg Jets win the Stanley Cup, and if you want to win 100 times your money, play Daily Fantasy, Daily Fantasy Hockey on the Sleeper app. These are all things that could happen this year, but to have a chance at winning big, you've got to play Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper. As the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network, Sleeper is our top choice for Daily Fantasy Sports, and in particular, Daily Fantasy Hockey. With Sleeper, you can in fact win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy Hockey contests. All you have to do is pick more or less stats on many of the league's top players, whether it's Kale McCarr, Alexander Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Mark Shifley, Patrick Laine, whoever it is, they've got stats tracking for goals, assists, saves, and so much more. So Winnipeg Jets fans, if you want 100 times your payout on Sleeper, start paying attention and get your picks right so you can win big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL when you're setting out and you'll get $100, uh, up to a $100 match on your very first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. Again, that is promo code locked on NHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much for rejoining us as we talk about uh, the not-so-special teams recently, and it's not the power play. The power play, I got to say, kind of rocks. Uh, although there were some moments in the past few games where they had some really bad zone uh, entry denials, but... I think that's more an outlier than what we've seen, uh, which is Winnipeg generating a buzzsaw of chances down low. That stuff looks really good. And we saw Ayafalo capitalize on at least one of those chances. Um, so there's a lot to like with the power play. I'm not as concerned about that. What I am worried about, though, is the PK. Whew, it's been bad. Um, we're talking really, really bad. And one thing that apparently the Jets have, have changed with this PK unit is that when the diamond is out there, you notice that they don't really create a lot of pressure. Uh, the puck carriers are given a lot of time and space to make passes, and how the Jets have often done it in the past under Maurice is one guy tries to pressure and cut off a lane, but everyone else is mostly static. The problem with Winnipeg's PK structure is that it's so slow and so static and doesn't really disrupt opponents all that often that when you have the odd man situation, the opponent is usually able to win those second chance puck battles. And then, you know, the guys will try and clear it out along the walls. They get picked off. It gets turned over. And suddenly the Jets have conceded a goal. That's been happening a lot. We've seen guys like Nemesnikov repeatedly turn it over on the PK. Um, we've seen guys throw the puck along the walls. 
those have turned into interceptions, and it's lucky when the Jets don't concede goals off of that. I think Winnipeg is kind of living beyond its means with this PK, which is saying a lot because it already has one of the worst percentages in the league. So yeah, Winnipeg's PK has been really bad, and it's a big problem because so far the Jets seemingly take a lot of penalties. Um, it's not a good sign if the you know the Winnipeg Jets PK is already this poor, and you know the, the discipline hasn't been ideal. If we're being honest, I think Winnipeg will certainly want to clean those behaviors up. I think when you look at this team's PK structure and their ability to kill those opportunities off, it's it's been a little dire so far. Um, Winnipeg, I think, is really struggling with it. I think the Jets defense has has not been able to clear the puck effectively. Uh, the forwards have struggled with it too. And even when they do clear it out, you know, the guys are so gassed that by the time the next shift comes on and spells them for relief, those guys eventually have to come off. And this, the first unit comes back on, they're still not recovered from the last PK shift. So Winnipeg, I think really needs to clean this up. It is a huge sore spot. And I think right now it's one of the biggest reasons the Jets are one and three. If the Jets have a decent PK, I don't know that we'd really be having this conversation. I think the Jets might actually have like a, a two and two or even three and one record. And, and maybe that doesn't sound all that impressive in the grand scheme of things, but I think it's really a, I think, I think it should really illustrate broadly speaking, why I'm saying this team is good and, and really on the verge of being something much better. You know, the, the changes that the Jets have to make that they could make to turn the season around. It's really just a couple of minor things, relatively speaking, but they have a huge impact on the rest of the downstream effects of what this roster is going through. So yeah, I, I again, I keep coming back to this point that I think after what we've seen so far, I'm pretty impressed with what Winnipeg has. I think this team is better than the record has shown. I think that they should be three and one or something of that nature. They've outplayed most of their opponents and we're not talking about crap franchises. The Jets have done really well so far against teams like Vegas. And, um, you know, they, they had a good game against the Florida Panthers, got rewarded for it. They did really well against the Flames, but just somehow could not finish off their opportunities. I got to say, I, I think this team is better than it gets credit for. The Kings game is one of the rare exceptions where uh, the Jets got thoroughly embarrassed. That one, you probably want to uh, ignore and pretend didn't happen because otherwise you're going to be annoyed by the result and by what we saw in it. But I'll say this, though. I still think that this team is destined for a playoff run. Uh, Winnipeg in previous years, like the 2017-2018 team, had a pretty similar start, start to what we're seeing now, but they weren't even as effective at 5v5 as this team has been early into the season. So I I would say I'm leaning towards this team being one to watch for the future, and it might come over the next few weeks. But we've got to be you know, open-minded about things. If things really aren't working and the Jets are struggling to make ends meet, it might be time to start talking about selling towards the deadline. But I think this team is going to be too good for that. I think this Jets squad, again, is just a few weeks away from really starting to threaten and scare other opponents. But let me know your thoughts on the start of the season. How do you feel about the team so far? What would you change? What are you impressed with? Maybe uh, also give me what you're most disappointed with. Drop those thoughts in the comments below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's show, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. We'll see you back here tomorrow with more Jets coverage and a recap of Winnipeg versus Edmonton. So stay tuned and don't go anywhere. Have a great night. And as always, go Jets go.